Coming up on Studios America, what will Biden bungle next with the Russia-Ukraine situation? Jason Buttrell is here to tell us. And I have bad news for people who were looking forward to never-ending COVID booster shots. <laughs> Tragic day. Blaze TV is the place to go for great conservative content. Get 10 bucks off when you use the promo code STU at blazetv.com slash STU. And our current administration is completely out of their depth dealing with Vladimir Putin and Russia right now. Let's see how bad it is as we do the Russian invasion. Stu does America. Oh, this gets more and more fun every day, doesn't it? I mean, what could possibly go wrong with these people running the country in a battle of wits and wills against Vladimir Putin? I, I feel fully confident. Uh, we have uh, this, the latest, um, latest information from Kamala Harris I thought was pretty interesting, and I think you'll agree. Uh, Kamala uh, talking uh, in Munich says, I mean, listen, guys. We're talking about the potential for war in Europe. I mean, let's really take a moment to understand the significance of what we're talking about. It's been over 70 years. And through those 70 years, as I mentioned yesterday, there has been peace and security. We are talking about the real possibility of war in Europe. So our position for us is very clear, which is as a leader, which we have been bringing together the allies, working together around our collective and unified position that we would all not just prefer we desire, we believe it is in the best interest of all that there is a diplomatic end to this moment. I mean, that is what is, do we, oh, we have the video. Let's, let's watch her attempt this watch. I personally believe that U.S. Americans mm -hmm. are unable to do so. Sure, Kamala. Because uh, some people out there yeah. in our nation don't have maps and uh, I believe that our ed education mm -hmm. like such as in South Africa right. and mm -hmm. uh, the Iraq everywhere like such as mm -hmm. and I believe that they should uh, our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S. Yes. should help That's South what, Africa uh, and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries yeah. so we will be able to build up our future. We should be able to build up our future. I will tell you this. Uh, we've talked to Miss uh, Teen USA, South Carolina, 2007, uh, and uh, she would be way better at this job than Kamala Harris's. Like, I, that was one rough moment for her. She's actually very nice and very smart. Uh, Kamala Harris, not so much. This, of course, has been the bizarre situation all of us sort of expected walking into this presidency, isn't it? You know, there has been this this fake sort of confidence in foreign affairs. Joe Biden's an expert. He's the guy who can do it. He, this was sort of the, the 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 sell on Joe Biden back when he was named as vice president. He was the elder statesman. Barack Obama was this young up and coming guy and he needed that behind him. Now, we know in uh, reporting after the fact that Joe Biden actually was picked because he was white and old. That is from Joe, from Barack Obama himself. He wanted someone who was white and old because he didn't. He thought the American people were so racist they wouldn't pick him if he didn't have a white old guy uh, on the ticket with him. Uh, but he's never been good at this. He has been talkative about foreign affairs for many decades, but he's never been right on something ever. And that's a problem. You'd like to have your president. Be a guy or a, or a lady 
who can either speak or be right on something every once in a while. One of the two would be wonderful. Biden, of course, was taunting um, Putin as he came into office. He said this in February 2020. Vladimir Putin doesn't want me to be president. He doesn't want me to be our nominee. If you're wondering why, it's because I'm the only person in this field who's ever gone toe to toe with him. Unfortunately, Putin remembered that. He remembered what it was like to go toe-to-toe with Joe Biden, and he found it to be easy. What he remembers about that is it was boring for him and embarrassing for Joe. That's the problem here. Um, Now, you think, well, how is the U.S. going to deal with this invasion into Ukraine? We can't even figure out if it was an invasion. Look at this headline from The Washington Post. White House wrestles with whether Russia has invaded Ukraine. They don't even know if it occurred or not. I I can't even explain to you how pathetic this is. Now, Biden did have a press. I want to say press conference. It was not a press conference. It was a speech. And then he walked out. It's not a press conference. He just blabbed to the press. There was no questions, no interaction, just him making a short statement. Um, And he did. So I guess they've landed on beginning of invasion. Watch. This is the beginning of a Russian invasion of Ukraine, as he indicated and asked permission to be able to do from his Duma. Mm. So let's begin to. Uh, so I, I'm going to begin to okay, impose good. sanctions in response far beyond the steps we and our allies and partners implemented in 2014. Mm-hmm. And if Russia goes further with this invasion, we stand prepared to go further as with sanctions. Who in the Lord's name does Putin think gives him the right to declare yeah. new so-called countries mm-hmm. on territory that belong to his neighbors? This is a flagrant violation of international law and demands a firm response from the international community. I will say this. Obviously, Putin does not have that right. And I've been surprised at some of the media here. I saw CNN doing this earlier today. who are just referring uh, to these regions as pro-Russia regions. This is just, these are areas of Ukraine. This is part of Ukraine. It's not a pro-Russian region. Uh, maybe some percentage of, and, and this is certainly true at some level, uh, some percentage of the people there are favor, uh, have favorable treatment um, and do like Putin, uh, do like Russia. And some people there want to be part of Russia, but they're not. At least they're not supposed to be. And so referring to them as just pro-Russian regions acts as if they're making this choice to leave. And really, we don't have much evidence to support that. There are definitely um, some Russian separatists there. They've been sort of governing these regions illicitly for a while. There's been an ongoing sort of slow grinding war going on in this region for many, many years. But I'm not this is part of Ukraine. It's not a pro-Russian region. Um, Putin came out yesterday and made this big speech. We talked about it a little bit yesterday, Uh, but he is trying to project something either that he's definitely going to come in and try to take the entire country over, or he's trying to scare everybody into believing he's just a little bit, he's got a dash of insanity on top of his dictatorship, and he's going to try to intimidate the rest of the world to allow him to just keep these regions, and maybe we can all kind of agree that nothing happened. 
Here's uh, some stuff from his speech yesterday. If Ukraine was to join NATO, it would serve as a direct threat to the security of Russia. You see him coming up with a pretext for this invasion. Ukraine never had a tradition of genuine statehood. So uh, not only are these areas part of Russia to, uh, to or at least controlled by Russia to Vladimir Putin, but the country really shouldn't exist. You know, is it really a country? Sure, it's been on the map for a while, but come on, we all know it's really ours. That's basically his sell here. He's also trying to project some bizarre idea that we're trying to threaten them. I mean, we couldn't even, we, we ran away from people in like, with, with camels and uh, swords in Afghanistan. I don't think we're really about to threaten uh, Russia, but here's what he said. Let me explain that U.S. strategic planning documents contain the possibility of a so-called preemptive strike against enemy missile systems. And who is the main enemy for the U.S. and NATO? We know that, too. It's Russia. In NATO documents, our country is officially directly declared the main threat to North Atlantic security, and Ukraine will serve as a forward springboard for the strike. If our ancestors had had heard about it, they probably would not have believed it. And today we don't want to believe it either. But it's true. Went on to say they are trying to blackmail us again. They are threatening us again with sanctions, which, by the way, I think they will introduce anyway as Russia's sovereignty strengthens and the power of our armed forces grows. And as a pretext for another sanctions attack will always be found or fabricated. Regardless of the situation in Ukraine, there is only one goal to restrain the development of Russia, and they will do it as they did before, even without any formal pretext at all. Just because we exist and we never compromise our sovereignty, national interests and our values. I mean, these guys have run over multiple regions of other countries outside their borders. The idea that there's no justification to take them seriously and sanction them in some way is ridiculous. They've now done it twice. They did it in 2014. And in 2014, Barack Obama did basically nothing. Minor sanctions. I mean, sanctions that his own vice president went on TV today and said weren't really that serious. And then he said, well, we're going to do serious ones this time. But these are not the serious sanctions. We have more uh, more arrows in our quiver here to go a little bit further. But honestly, at this point, you know, Vladimir Putin is not going to be driven by economic sanctions. He's not going to be stopped by them. They don't seem to work all that well when they're attempted. It's something that we can do, but I don't know that we're going to go much farther than that. Biden uh, is saying now that the U.S. will sanction these financial firms, uh, sovereign debt and individuals after the Ukraine incursion. The problem with, of course, with this is they've been preparing for this. They put to put away a lot of money. They've built up alternative ways to fund their country. Um, most of these people, they have a, they have an entire fund basically dedicated to back up these oligarchs if, in fact, sanctions are put in place. They have money waiting for these guys so they can continue to live their wonderful lives. We can do some damage to some of them. We can do some things, but we are relatively limited. Joe Biden talked about the types of sanctions and who they would target in his speech today. Defending freedom will have cost for us as well and here at home. We need to be honest about that. But as we will do, but as we do this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to good. take robust action to make sure the pain of our sanctions mm-hmm. is targeted at a Russian economy, not ours. Was there a moment you were considering targeting our economy? I, I don't I would assume the sanctions were going against the Russian economy. So thank you for clarifying that. Um, but, yeah, we're going to have some pain from this. 
Uh, this is going to be, this could get ugly with energy prices in particular, but all sorts of things could happen with this. Uh, Russia ha- does hold a, a good chunk of the global energy market, and they will, uh, they will, they will give us a good chunk of pain uh, out of this. It's not going to be, it's not going to be fun. And it's funny because you see how seriously Joe Biden is treating Russia here. You see how seriously the media is treating Russia here. Where did that come from? When did that start? I do remember them being very fired up about Russia throughout the entire Trump presidency, though during the Trump presidency, Vladimir Putin didn't do anything. Putin in 2014 took Crimea. And now today in 2022, he's going after these two uh, other regions and maybe a little bit more at the very least in Ukraine. And and who knows, maybe going after the entire country in the middle was four years of, of Donald Trump, where we were told he was like best friends with Putin and uh, basically a Russian agent. And Putin didn't do anything. Is there something to learn from this? And then go back a little bit earlier and you remember this clip from one of the debates in 2012 between Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. Governor Romney, I'm glad that you recognize that Al Qaeda is a threat because a few months ago when you were asked what's the biggest geopolitical threat facing America, you said Russia, not Al Qaeda. You said Russia in the 1980s or now calling to ask for their foreign policy back because the Cold War has been over for 20 years. But, Governor, you know, when it comes to our foreign policy, you seem to want to import the foreign policies of the 1980s, just like the social policies of the 1950s and the economic policies of the 1920s. I have written some lines to say. Would you like to see me say them? Ugh, how, does, how did that guy win an election? Ugh, that was just absolutely terrible. Of course, the media loved that moment. They praised and praised and praised. Uh, Barack Obama for saying, oh, the 1980s called. They want their foreign policy back. Woo! And they all celebrated it. They all said it was the knockout punch of the night. Uh, You know, they they treated him as if he was brilliant. And then, of course, a few years later, his own administration was saying that Russia was this massive threat. His own vice president was saying it was a massive threat. And the media has all of a sudden come along as well. They're a massive threat. It's the most serious thing in the world. To the point that finally, 10 years later, we get this from CNN. It's time to admit it. Mitt Romney was right about Russia. Are you k- 10 years later? That's a decade. A decade later, they've admitted that that moment that they cheered on, eh, they were totally wrong. Now, I will say, you know, the point uh, that Mitt Romney was making when he said it was uh, the most serious geopolitical threat can be viewed from a, di- a few different angles. But you're going to put them near the top. You might say China's a little bit worse. You might say North Korea. You might say Iran. Iran. You, you, you know, I mean, the bottom line is Russia's got the most nukes, and that's still uh, the, most, the, the biggest threat that we have out there. But they were treating it as if Russia was our friends. I mean, I don't have time to play this today, but... Biden has a quote about um, about Russia and this particular moment with Mitt Romney, where he makes them sound like they're the greatest people in the world. Vladimir Putin's working with us. He's helping Europe with gas. He's trying to lower prices. This guy's our buddy. And they mocked and mocked and mocked Mitt Romney for that. And now they finally admit 10 years later. And I give Chris Saliza some credit here. At least he's admitting it. It is a decade late, but at least he's admitting that it's true. So what happens from here? 
We have an aggressive uh, um, Vladimir Putin, and we have a weak administration in the United States and a NATO that is weakened, it seems. Putin, we know, will act aggressively unless he senses strength on the other side. But he's watched Biden in Afghanistan. He's watched the Kamala Harris word salad. He's watched nothing but weakness. So now the Ukrainian people will suffer because of that weakness. We can only hope that that tragedy is the worst of it. Are you tired of rising taxes, increasing inflation, a potential stock market bubble? If you don't want to spend your retirement watching you know, your wealth basically waste away and your freedoms erode, well, then you can look around the globe a little bit. And let me tell you a little bit about the country of Panama. Now, every dollar in Panama is worth like 10 times as much as it is here because it's a lot easier, a lot uh, cheaper to live down there. And taxes are like 0%. Uh, they haven't had a financial crisis in over 20 years. That includes even 2008. And you can live on the beach in total comfort and security, all on like $24,000 a year. If you've always dreamed of retiring on the beach, why wait any longer? Check out the American's Guide to Living and Retiring in Panama from our friends over at Buy Panama Now. It's 100% free. Just head over uh, to Buy Panama Now. Get this information. It's buypanamanow.com slash stew. You'll get your copy today. Check it out, whether you're thinking about retiring, maybe investing, maybe just a vacation place. Buypanamanow.com slash stew. It's buypanamanow.com slash stew. All right, let's bring in Jason Buttrell. He's a head writer and researcher for one Mr. Glenn Beck right here on Blaze TV. Jason, how's it going? It's good. Crazy times. Is it good? Uh, I guess is my question. Is that true or are you lying? I'm lying. Mm -hmm. It's actually more crazy than anything else. You know, I never would have imagined, you know, that we'd be looking at this guy, uh, you know, using emergency powers, stealing money from some of these people, mm -hmm. um, leading, you know, his police out into the streets and attacking... Oh, that's Canadian Putin, not Russia Putin. That's why I'm here. Oh, wrong yes. Putin. That's right. You're on the wrong Putin segment. Oops. Um, so I, it's funny because, like, you know, Putin is Putin. I thought we all agreed on who Putin was, uh, and we understood that he wants to do these things, and he will not be... He will not be pushed back unless he actually believes a country is strong. And he is obviously aware after watching Afghanistan, their Taliban Joe uh, merch mugs here, uh, that he knows we're in, a, we're in a weak spot with a weak leadership and we are projecting no strength. Yeah. Um, no, they don't know who Putin is, which is very obvious because I've been following this very closely over the past 48 plus hours. Um, nobody seems to know who Putin is. On one side, you have the ones that, like, if you saw, if you saw his speech, it was insane. I think for a reason. Mm -hmm. But he was, you know, doing a callback to the Russian, you know, uh, empire. Um, he was actually criticizing Lenin. Yeah. I half expected them to for him to order Lenin's tomb to be taken out of Red Square, mm. um, which actually is there in his body. It's pretty insane. Um, but yeah, it, it was wild. Like, it, but there's a there's a method to that madness. He's he's not an ideologue. Right? He's not a communist, which I saw some people saying, well, we've got to stop communism. No, that doesn't exist over there anymore. Um, he's not a communist ideologue. He's not a uh, Russian identity ideologue. He's mm -hmm. none of those. He is exactly what he was in the Cold War. You know, he's a realist. He, geopolitics guides what he does, not ideology. Mm. That's what all this is about. 
And it's funny, uh, you know, well, and let me just explain that. The geopolitics of this is that Moscow is way too close to the Ukrainian border. That's the hard truth, right? So the closer Ukraine gets to the West, that means the closer the West gets to Moscow, their capital. So going back hundreds of years, that's what they've always tried to do is push that border further and further back. That's what guides this, and that's what he's trying to do. It has nothing to do with ideology, and that's it. Does he, do you, are you a believer that he really means this thing he said uh, years ago where he said, you know, the, the, the collapse of the Soviet Union was the greatest uh, geopolitical catastrophe in the last hundred years? Is he trying to re, you know, bring the band back together? I don't think so, um, mm-hmm. even though he made that case during that speech that yeah. kind of seems like he has the right to do that. That's, that's the way he was making it. But I, I think a lot of people have kind of misconstrued that quote. Okay. I think that um, Putin, what he really meant by that was that Look, there was perfect balance between superpowers. Um, Right now, and you hear this from him all the time, uh, is that there's one country dominating the others. There's one country that thinks that it can tell everybody else what to do. I mean, he's not wrong on that. We still operate as if it was, you know, 1992, right, for the Soviet Union, Mm -hmm. when we felt like we were going to stretch our legs, do whatever the heck we wanted to, because nobody could tell us otherwise. Well, times have changed now. Um, We shouldn't be doing that. We shouldn't... I mean, this, it's, it's, it's very, very ironic that, you know, everything Putin says, you know, there, there's, I think there's little meanings and little things beh- behind it. Sure. Like the speech he gave, uh, he, he sounded crazy. Yeah. I, he, sa- he sounded like a guy that was about to invade. He sounded like a guy that was going to go for Kiev. Right. And Putin is Kiev. not crazy. He's not, he's mm. not homicidal. Um, well, he's homicidal. He's homicidal. He's not suicidal. Yeah. He's homicidal. He's not suicidal. He's not suicidal. So he, he's, he's, he's not going to do something that's going to endanger his regime. Mm. He's going to do things to where he's going to threaten. He's going to build up. He's going to do things that try to strengthen his regime. Well, I was thinking of, the, of just the, the order of events here. Joe Biden comes out and says, hey, if it's a minor incursion, we're probably not going to do much of anything. Huge right? mistake. Where everyone's going to be arguing with each other if it's minor. I mean, huge mistake. So he hears this. He's seen what happened in Afghanistan. He knows we're weak. So he projects an overwhelming amount of force, the amount of force that would lead you to believe he's going for the whole country. Then he, let's just say, this is just hypothetical, but he, let's just say he leaks uh, to, to areas that he knows we're monitoring, we're ready to go for the whole thing, let's go, within a week, he does it multiple times, makes Joe Biden come out and kind of look like an ass where he's, he's saying they're going to come in any moment now, look out, look out, look out. And then, when everyone believes this big invasion is coming, he steps in and says, okay, well, we're recognizing the independence, we're going to roll some tanks over the border, we're going we're gonna to carve out a couple of these regions that we've wanted the whole time. And basically and then, already had. Yeah, that he basically already had, but he's going to lock them down, maybe expand them a little bit, and then say, look, uh, we didn't invade at all, they became independent, and uh, we, th- because we, they don't go for the big invasion, the rest of the world sighs to relief and does nothing. Right. Is that I mean, is that what we're right? If he stopped right now, it would be a huge win for Putin. Sure. Um, And that's why that was such a uh, catastrophic mistake from from Biden. So but what he said was not untrue. You're just not supposed to say that right. out loud and project to the world. <laughs> yes. And what and what was that projection? That projection was we're willing to cede that territory to Russia That's because incredible. because we're willing to appease him on that. Which which basically this is this is what I if if I'm in the 
Oval Office hearing some of these things, I'm just guessing what they're saying is, is what they're saying is that, okay, yeah, he's going to do this. It's going to be a quagmire for him because the entire, they're going to be a pariah. The entire world's going to unite against him. It's going to be very hard for them to do anything. There are some significant economic levers that they can pull, like uh, dis cutting them off from the SWIFT payment system. Mm -hmm. um, it's that, a big one. That's a big one. But they're not doing that yet. N not yet. Mm -hmm. um, what they did do, um, so Biden did a press conference today. Um, they started sanctions. Um, mostly, there's one, I think, bank that support, or that funds the military. Bank, right? Yeah, like yeah, VEP yeah. bank or yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. And a few other oligarchs. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of funny. It's a... Uh, there's you know this one uh, guy is like an FSB head, head of the FSB, and his son, which is the CEO of the largest bank in Russia, and then another government official, and his son, which <laughs> is the CEO of the largest uranium producer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's like and it, it was cracking me up. People were be like, yeah, you know, it's like you know that's Russia, you know. Yeah, it's, that's, these sons are really talented yeah. people. But apparently. I was like, I actually responded. And I was like, yeah, but we kind of have that problem here too. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that's a great point. I mean, being the president's <laughs> son instantly makes you a leader, you know, and head of uh, you know anything. anything kind of opinions on Russian gas or uh, Ukrainian gas or Chinese business. It's, uh, it's kind of amazing. It's, it's a good point. It just happens. It's a, it's a point. <laughs> what did you think overall of the, uh, are they playing this right with the sanctions? I don't think that the, so they're, they're, they're starting off very, very incremental mm -hmm. at the moment. I think they need to do a little bit more actually right after they announced the sanctions, Russian stock futures skyrocketed. Really? So I think the investors, yeah, the investors were expecting a lot more. Yeah. So that was, I just kind of like laughed at that. I was like, oh, you kind of missed the mark on that. I mean, the problem here is this is a difficult, like, I'm not going to say this is like, oh, this is cake. This is an easy situation to deal with. It's not. But like, I have absolutely no faith in Joe Biden to understand it, no. to act appropriately or anybody mm -hmm. else in this administration. I mean, it's a bunch of fools trying to handle a difficult situation that they have no, uh, no, no, uh, no handle on. For sure. Um, and, and their big thing was the grown-ups were at the table. Yeah. Um, now we have the diplomats, the career diplomats. They're back in control. They're the ones that are going to see us through this. So they were touting diplomacy first. Well, the problem is they're not doing anything diplomatic to stop these things from happening. Um, under the Trump administration, we, we saw a huge kind of like backlash against NATO. Mm. Um, he was taking active steps to, you know, either say, look, we don't I, I, I was fully expecting him to say, forget it. You know, we're going to significantly draw down our our um, our, pers our petition participation in NATO or go the other way and say, well, we're going to stay in it if you guys put in as much as we are. Mm. I think little moves like that put Putin kind of off, off course. But I also think that he thought that Trump kind of had the same vision of NATO that, that, that Russia did. And that is that, what's the point? I mean, they have not had a clear focus, NATO hasn't, since 1991. They haven't had a focus. They're, they're, right now, NATO, well, now it's different, but then that's, that's the irony of this is mm -hmm. everyone, no, no one knows better than Putin how irrelevant NATO was mm. up until a few weeks ago, right? Like, but I mean, what it, he's doing, the irony there is what he's doing is he's bringing NATO back from the dead. Yeah, that's true. I mean, because there is that possibility, right, where, um, you know, they, let's say they do decide to go through Ukraine. We're not going to do much of anything, but we are stationed right past there. Lithuania, Estonia, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're Poland. We're going to make sure that I mean, that's 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 our treaty. Right. And I don't think at this point, at least, that we're going to be breaking it, um, which, you know, that puts us on the verge of world war. I mean, you know, if let's just say there is it's not a zero percent chance here that 
Putin decides to go through this country of Ukraine and wipe the whole thing out and he gets uh, hubris or a mistake is made or God only knows what. And a war starts between one of these countries uh, and Russia. And then we're at a position where, like, we are either sucked into a war with Russia or we're bailing on NATO. And I don't know. You know, both of those are, are, are scary possibilities. Yeah, it's not it's not it's not likely. But it's not zero percent. We're, we're, we're getting a, the, the clock is ticking closer to 12 here. Yeah. All, all it takes is one surface to air missile, you know, air defense system that misinterprets a Ukrainian plane, which they don't have a lot of, of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually one of our, you know, surveillance planes that are flying over Lithuania right. or something or Romania or Poland. Yeah. That is a very real possibility. Then it's like, oh, holy crap, what just happened? Yeah. Or some uh, you know, artillery shell or multiple rocket launcher goes off and you know, strikes inside Poland or whatever. Now you just attack the NATO nation. Um, that's when things start getting very hairy. I just don't see Putin moving. So right now, they've declared that entire region uh, autonomous. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in the areas that he's declared autonomous, there are some areas that are still under Ukrainian government control. Right. And a lot of the attacks have kicked up. I mean, they really haven't stopped since 2014, but it's increased in intensity on some of those areas. So now you're looking at how is Ukraine going to react? And you know Putin's just waiting for an excuse to push even further. So that little tug of war, that's really going to determine how bad this gets over the next, you know, the the days and weeks and months going forward. Um, Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, but I I really do think that Putin's kind of, I'm crazy, I'm an attacker, or it was just an act. Mm-hmm. You know, to show that, you know, he's telling his people uh, that, look, this is why I'm I can legitimately do this. And he's also projecting to the world that, yeah, I'm crazy enough to do this. Mm. It just doesn't seem right to me because the guy is not like that. Like I said, he, he, he is very strategic. He's very calculating. So we're hoping basically we're hoping he stops. That's that's which yeah. is I mean, it's a terrifying thing that we're depending on. We're just yeah. basically hoping he stops. Worst um, case scenario is yeah. they do do like a three pronged attack coming in from Belarus, Crimea mm-hmm. and the main part of Russia. And they go straight to Kiev. That, that, that is the worst possible scenario. And that would be the Russian form of shock and awe. Like yeah. that, that's what it would be. Nonstop uh, artillery or um, bombs, cruise missiles. It would be catastrophic. But it would also be catastrophic for Russia. Well, not catastrophic, but it would be very bloody for Russia as yeah. well. Yeah, and they, I mean, they still have a couple, well, a couple hundred thousand troops in, in Ukraine. They're not going to just give up. I mean, they, yeah, that yeah. would be a bad, that would be a rough, rough you, outing. The Ukrainian troops, what they would do is they would, they would, the, the only way they can fight them off would be do a, 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 um, a strategy of retreating little by little by little, a slow retreat mm-hmm. back to the cities. Then once they've whittled down the Russian soldiers, then they get in the cities, and that's when you get urban warfare, and it could stretch on for months that for way. Months that way, yeah. Very bloody. Uh, last one for you. Um, there's a point that's being made on the right that I tend to like and want to believe. But basically, the idea is they came in in 2014, took Crimea. Trump gets in office. He's there for four years. They don't do anything. Then, as soon as he's out of office... Biden's in office. Now they're going for even more. Yeah. Is that a legitimate point or is that just a partisan thing that I just happen to like? No, that, that's absolutely a legitimate, mm-hmm. legitimate point. Um, the Russians did screw around with the elections in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it actually effect, affected anything, really. Yeah. But they did screw around with the elections. And I think that was a direct shot at Hillary Clinton because Putin had said publicly that he blamed Hillary Clinton when she was secretary of state for manipulating elections in Russia when he was running. Mm. So it was a direct attack on that. Uh, then you get, um, you know, uh, Kerry and, uh, and Biden and Obama um, actively helping with the 2014 revolution in, in Ukraine, the Maidan in Kiev. Um, again, I mean, I, if, 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 um, if um, 
Trump would have lost that election and if Hillary Clinton would have become president, I think this would have happened then. Mm. Um, so I think they're responding directly. He's, he's, he's responding to the people that have wronged him in the past. Now, like I said, Trump had a different play on this. Um, I, I, he had the same, that same sort of like, I don't know what he's going to do. The kind of the wild guy. And that's, that, I think that intimidated Putin at some level. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. And there, there was a doctrine. There was a Trump doctrine that we finally started figuring out. Mm-hmm. Uh, if something happened, if Trump got pissed off or there's some security concern, he would send four or five carrier battle groups, which is very significant, like he did off of the coast of Korea. He'd just send them that direction. The threat of war would be very high. Uh, pretty soon they would capitulate. If they didn't, then Trump would hit them with a lot of sanctions. Or in the case of Syria, he actually used military action. But his, the way that he thought and the way his people around him did things was not like the establishment foreign policy elites, mm-hmm. like what you had under Obama and now under Biden. It's all the same people. And they know exactly what they're going to do. And they know exactly how they think. They still think of an expanding NATO, which is the wrong way to think. I'm not saying I mean, we should not apologize for Putin. He's a thug. He's a, you know, a, he's just not, he's not a bad, he's a bad guy. Um, so what he does, we should condemn and the world should make them pariahs and hurt them e- economically. Um, but the old way of doing things is not the right way of doing things anymore. I, I do not see why we even have a NATO anymore. I mean, if, Putin would not have this excuse if not for the way they've handled NATO in the past. He wouldn't even have the excuse. Mm. But now he's using it as justification. Well, thank God we at least have Kamala Harris to take care of this. Oh, she, yeah. she'll, she'll, she'll get to the root problems yeah. of probably the racism involved in between Ukraine and Russia. We'll get into that later. Jason Butchel, head writer and researcher for Glenn Beck. Uh, make sure to follow him on the Twitters. Thanks for stopping in, Jason. Appreciate Thanks for having it. me. Are you looking to run from Crimea? Are you looking to run from uh, the, uh, the, the new autonomous regions of, uh, of Ukraine? I mean, Russia, I mean, Ukraine. Uh, if you want to buy a home here in America uh, and, you know, you happen to be uh, have the legal ability to do so, we'd love to have you. And of course, you're going to need a real estate agent who you can trust. Uh, come in. Uh, check out, I would move to a red state, just my advice. Uh, you're going to go to the blue state, it's going to feel more locked down than you were in Crimea. Uh, realestateagentsattrust.com is, is the place to go to find the real estate agent that can help you get through that incredibly important transaction. We are seeing this right now. Rates are looking like they're going to be going up here in the next couple of months. This is the time uh, to look at these options. It, who knows what's going to happen in the future? So check it out, realestateagentsattrust.com. Get the real estate agent you need now at realestateagentsattrust.com. Dot com. Hey, hey, what do you say? How is Alexandria victim today? Mm, yes, you know, a lot of people think of AOC as a socialist, but her defining characteristic is she is always, in every situation, the victim. All the time, every single day. For example, here's a woman who does everything she can to be on television constantly. She is always the focus of media attention and she embraces it wholeheartedly. So what happens when someone says something she doesn't like? For example, Tucker Carlson, who says um, she he described Ocasio-Cortez um, as a, uh, a rich, entitled white lady and said uh, a video that she posted sounded like an invitation to a booty call. Now, uh, she didn't like that. She thought that was offensive. I I assume the reason she thought it was offensive mainly was because someone called her white. Uh, But apparently, uh, it was also the booty call thing. So she decided to tweet about it. 
But she says, I genuinely want to know, sorry, I genuinely want to know why Tucker Carlson is allowed, paid to engage in clear, targeted, libelous harassment that endangers people and drives so many violent threats that people have to fundraise for their own safety. Why should they have to pay for his harassment? Make it make sense. Well, if you want to know why he's allowed to engage in, in speech, it's the First Amendment. That's why he's allowed to engage in speech. Now, it might be speech that you don't like or you might find offensive, but that's actually the main thing that's protected by the First Amendment. Uh, your jibber-jabbering is also protected. I don't feel great about that, but, you know, I live with it because I think the overall benefit of free speech is a good thing. Um, she says uh, he, he was fantasizing about her booty calls. Again, like she has this weird thing. She thinks everyone wants to have sex with her. I mean, it must be a terrifying world that she lives in. All she thinks about all the time is how everyone on television wants to have sex with her. We're not interested, AOC. I, I hate to break this to you. I know you're not interested and no one else is with me, but like, you're gross, uh, you know, so. I mean, that's, that's just the, that's the long and the short of it. I hope that's not too libelous for you. At least I didn't call you a white person. And that is how AOC is a victim today. Hey, hey, what do you say? How is Alexandria a victim today? Am I the only one who thinks she's gross? There's something weird. I, ugh. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm no catch. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh. I think some people think she's attractive, I guess, but I, I, don't, I don't get it. But you know what? We all have different tastes. And uh, I was, you know what? Let me put it this way. I was born this way. I can't control who I'm attracted to. It's just not AOC. Uh, Democrats are tuning out of the national news during the Biden era uh, in a big way. Uh, here's the chart. Uh, and if you know, chart of Palooza, conservative nerds unite. Uh, the chart is going down significantly. People liked watching the news when Trump was on it, and they don't like watching it when Biden is on it. And, and that's a little bit of a generalization. You know, Republicans are around the same levels that they were throughout the Trump last couple of years. It's really Democrats that have fallen off because, you know, they look terrible all the time and they can't justify uh, that they, they, there's no argument to be made that they're doing a good job. They know Biden is as bad as we know he is. And that hurts. We don't want to watch that. Um, I will give you this, though. This is uh, you want to get some. Uh, and I said this a while ago. And I, I really maintain that it's that I do believe it's true. But The New York Times is now reporting that if you got a, a coronavirus vaccine booster, you will not need another one for many months and perhaps not for years, according to what they call a flurry of new studies. Three doses of a COVID vaccine or even just two are enough to protect most people from serious illness and death for a long time, the studies suggest. We're now starting to see uh, diminishing returns on the number of additional doses. I don't know, I, this seems to make sense to me and it's, I'm not surprised. I never saw, I, you know, I said this on the air a hundred times, I never saw the real data for, you have to get a booster. You wanna get a booster? Might help you a little bit, maybe uh, here and there, uh, but is it something that you have to like run over people in line at the CVS to get? I don't know. I don't know that the benefits look to be that big. And honestly, what they're saying now is the benefits don't necessarily look to be that big. If you happen to be the type of person who has a, you know, maybe you're particularly elderly or you have uh, other pre-existing conditions and such, maybe there's a, there's a reason for you to go out there and get booster shot number 49. Uh, but other than that, even the New York Times is telling you, eh, you probably don't need another one.
when Tika Tawari first came on, I mean, he was coming on this network way back in, I think, 2016, uh, talking about blockchain and what the possibilities were for it and how exciting it was. A lot of people called him crazy. Uh, they didn't understand what was going to happen over the next couple of years as we saw an incredible peak of Bitcoin. Then there were some issues. There was a little bit of a drop off for cryptocurrencies. And Tika said, to his credit, kept coming on. He said, look, uh, I still think it's going up. I think it might even go up to 40,000. Well, we've now seen that and more. Uh, we've seen all-time highs. We've seen ups and downs. It is, there's a lot of uh, uh, variability in, in crypto. You, need, of course, need to know that as you're going in. But you don't need to commit much money for the potential of really large gains. Sometimes, you know, one big, one play at the right time can wipe out losses on 100 other ones uh, that you missed on. If you haven't bought Bitcoin, it's not too late. Uh, you're still very early in this as far as the globe goes. Do your own research, but don't wait. Sign up for Tika Tawari's uh, Palm Beach letter now at BigTReport.com. Get the information that you need to know. Do your own homework. Understand these markets. They can be complicated, but you need to understand this. This is the future here. BigTReport.com. It's BigTReport.com. We would just adore it if you happen to go to Spotify like right now and subscribe to the show. I think it's follow on uh, Spotify, but go there, search for Studios America, and uh, you can check out the show. Listen to every episode for free on Spotify. Uh, we do appreciate that. Or you can go and uh, maybe you're on Apple Podcasts, do some rating, some reviewing. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. Always remember that truth. Uh, this one comes in. Awesome, stupid show. All right, here's what happened. I love this stupid show. Well, there you go. Fantastic review. Five stars. Five freaking stars. Thank you so much. Also, you can go to YouTube, youtube.com slash Stu Does America. Watch every single show and comment. Chad Prather was on the show. He's, of course, running for governor. And TM Pearson chimes in and says, thanks for the show, Stu. Chad, my man, if I was in Texas, I'd vote for you. I've been following you for years now. Texas deserves a solid man like you for sure. Captain TM Pearson, U.S. Army, retired. Thank you so much for uh, chiming in. Chad, the election's coming up. Kind of, I, was, I was talking to him a little bit after the interview, and it's like, that must be weird, right? Like, you're going, and he, he went in and voted for himself. And, like, I know, like, politicians do that stuff all the time, but that's, it's Chad. He's the, guy, he's, he's, he's the guy that's doing the power hours with us. He gets to vote for himself for governor of Texas. A pretty cool moment. Uh, that uh, election, by the way, March 1st here in Texas. Back in a second. You know, sometimes I just realize I've screwed up my life. I'm doing life wrong. You know, here I am. I'm, you know, I'm doing the show all the time, doing the radio show, criticizing the green movement, all these eco people that go out and do all these things. The entire time I've been criticizing them, and I should have been building a scam business. Like, for example, this one. Unbelievable. I'm so mad at myself. Um, uh, there was a, there's a new thing in that if you die... They will, get, they will take your ashes and they will put it in a reef ball and drop it to the bottom of the ocean to replicate a coral reef. You know what's happening? People are paying them to do it. Think about what I just said. Your dead body burned up, dumped into a ball and dropped into the water and that's green. And they're getting paid for it. All the best scams are green scams. And this entire time I'm sitting here going, oh, you're global warming. Uh, they're lying to you about the science and the statistics behind it. Actually, we should look about adapting in the future. It's a much more rational solution. When I could have just, I could have been making millions, millions of dollars 
off of annoying liberals. And here I am blabbing about charts. So stupid. I love this quote here, by the way. Uh, They say, uh, a lot of people are interested in replicating the model. I get calls on a regular basis. The problem is they all think it's a get-rich-quick scheme. Yes! Yes, it is! And a great one. I'm going to be dropping, um, I don't know, when you get your hair cut. I'm going to take that hair, I'm going to put it in a ball, drop it in the ocean, pay me millions. Uh, I mean, I can't see what could possibly go wrong.